It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 187 for April 4th, 2010. Recorded April 3rd, 2010. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about security, keeping your computer free from harm. First couple of sections on security dealt primarily with avoidance and, to some extent, with discovery. This third section covers the now what phase. If your computer is infected, the next step is to eliminate the infection. It could be as easy as running a program such as ComboFix or Malwarebytes Anti-Malware. Or you might find that you need to format the hard drive and reinstall everything. That's why it's so important to avoid this stuff rather than recover from it. Before you start attacking a problem, though, it is important to assess the situation. Firefighters, medical professionals, and police are trained repeatedly on the importance of understanding what the problem is before they try to solve it. One very good first step, if you think there's a problem, is to disconnect your computer from your local area network, the LAN, if you have one. That might stop the problem from spreading to other computers on the network. And even if you're not on a LAN, pull the plug on the Internet until you can examine the situation. If the malware is sending your personal or financial information to somebody, you'd like that to stop right now. And by the way, this is not a good time to start searching the Internet to look for a cure. Any search for malware removal tools is likely to produce several hits from organizations that will actually install malware on your computer. One good trusted location is Bleeping Computer. You'll find a link to that site from the TechBiter Worldwide website. You'll find tutorials there for removing specific threats. A visit to Bleeping Computer is a good second step if the quick and easy solution that I'll describe next doesn't work. And actually, the first step involves bleeping computer. The quick and easy solution is to use a couple of applications that can be combined to remove a lot of threats, ComboFix and Malwarebytes Anti-Malware. But don't do a search for ComboFix. The author of the application specifically indicates that ComboFix.org and combofixdownload.com are in no way associated with his application. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website that will take you to Bleeping Computer, and from there you can download ComboFix and know you got the right program. Before you run ComboFix, you need to be aware that it can render your computer non-functional. That said, it's your best chance to return the computer to normal operation without having to format the drive. It's very powerful medicine, in other words. So powerful that you won't even see any screenshots on the TechBiter Worldwide website. You'd start by downloading ComboFix to your computer's desktop. It doesn't require any installation. Also download Malwarebytes Anti-Malware, but don't try to install it. Not yet. If something is on your computer, it'll probably block that. Then disconnect the computer from the Internet and either turn off or uninstall any antivirus application. At this point, you'll want to reboot the computer in safe mode without networking. To do this, you'd press F8 as the computer is starting and choose safe mode. The computer will operate very slowly and the display will be ugly. Before you try to run ComboFix, it's a good idea to rename the file. 
why? Some malware applications watch for attempts to run Combo Fix, and they try to shut it down. So just select the icon, press F2, and then name it with a few random characters. It doesn't matter what you call it, because you're going to delete it after it does its job. Close all open windows, shut down any processes that are running, particularly any protective applications, and then double-click the Combo Fix icon to start the program. The next step is really difficult. Just sit in front of the computer and don't touch the mouse or the keyboard. Just sit. That's because Combo Fix must not be interrupted. It will attempt to create a restore point, search for malware, delete any bad applications it finds, and along the way it may ask you to perform a few actions. Read the instructions carefully. Follow them precisely. At the end of the process, Combo Fix will create a report. Be patient. Creating this report takes many minutes. And as I said before, don't interrupt it. Combo Fix will then restart the computer. Don't rush the process by trying to do it yourself. Let Combo Fix restart the computer. And at this point, if everything went well, the computer will restart normally. Hurrah! Assuming you removed your antivirus application, Windows will warn you that the computer is now vulnerable. You're not currently connected to the Internet, so that's okay. Just let that go for the moment. This is where Malwarebytes Anti-Malware comes in. Install it and choose the full scan. Because your computer isn't connected to the Internet, you won't have the latest definition files, but that's okay for this point. You've at least got a fairly current version. Malwarebytes Anti-Malware will explain that there are two versions of the program, one paid and one free. The free version omits real-time monitoring, and this is okay. You're not going to need it right now. Although Malwarebytes is a quick program, the scan does take a little time. Depending on the speed of your computer, the size of the disk drives, and how many applications are on the computer, the scan may take just a few minutes, or it might continue for several hours. In most cases, for most people, figure on about 15 to 20 minutes. What you want to see when the process ends is a screen that shows no infections, but you probably won't see that. You may see one or more items in a list of problem files. The anti-malware application can remove these, but you want to stop for a moment and read through the list. Automated processes aren't always correct, and it might suggest removing something you need. Once you've decided which files to remove, simply instruct the application to remove the ones you've selected. You'll probably be instructed to restart the computer at the end of the process. When the computer is running again, it's important to run the scan once more and confirm that the problems have been resolved. If the computer is now clean, you should reinstall your antivirus program, then connect to the Internet and obtain the latest antivirus updates. If not, you've got several options. You could just format the hard drive and reinstall everything. Sometimes that's actually the fastest method. Or you could visit Bleeping Computer and discuss the problem you're having on one of their forums. This is a very good site when you want to fix it yourself. Or you could take your computer to a technician for repair. And the technician will probably visit Bleeping Computer, unless it's something he's already seen previously. If all of this sounds like a lot of work and a lot of bother, it is. That's why it is so very important to avoid these infections in the first place. If you post something on Facebook, you might think that only your friends would be able to see it, or you might think it's visible to just about everybody. It used to be private because Facebook started as a service for college students. Nobody else could even get an account. Now, anybody can, and Facebook seems to think that everyone will want to share all their details with everybody. 
Among others, the Federal Trade Commission is investigating. But if you have a Facebook account and you accepted Facebook's recommended settings, you might be sharing more than you want to. So this would maybe be a good time to take a look. During the transition from the old Facebook to the new Facebook, you would have had an opportunity to keep your existing security settings. But Facebook also offered its recommended settings that open the doors wide. And if you set up your account this year, you're probably sharing more than you want to. Status updates, the things you post, are by default now visible to everybody. If that doesn't appeal to you, it's a fairly simple fix. From the account menu, you want to select privacy settings to open a new panel, then select profile information, which opens yet another long page of settings. You want to control access to anything you post, so scroll down to Posts by Me, click the drop-down box at the right, and at this point you'll choose either Only Friends, or if you want to be a bit more expansive, Friends and Networks. This page has a lot of other settings you may want to examine, but the one I've just described sets the default for updates, links, notes, photos, and videos that you post. Above Posts by Me are other settings that you may want to change, About Me, the About Me description in your profile, Personal Info, which lists your interests, activities, and favorites, Birthday, religious and political views, family and relationship, education and work, schools, college, workplaces, photos and videos. Only friends is, of course, the safer selection. Friends and networks open visibility up to more people, but anything else seems to be just asking for trouble. Facebook has a search option that allows people to find you, but it reveals very little. Depending on how you set your Facebook control, you may be opening up a lot more information than you expected, though. So here's what to look for. Return to the Privacy Settings page and select Search. If you want, you can deselect Allow, which makes all of your public information available to the Facebook search function. And if you want to see what others will see when they search for you, just click the See Preview link. If you've posted information on Facebook, now would probably be a pretty good time to make sure you're not sharing more of it than you intended to. It seems like a long time since Apple introduced the iPad. Now you can actually buy one. CNET is suggesting that sales may reach 7 million units this year. I have to wonder what Apple has planned in three or six months in terms of increased performance, decreased price, or both. And I have to wonder if that will send Apple fans into orbit, as happened with the iPhone. Negative reaction about the silly name, and it is still a silly name, and the device's significant limitations, it is just an overgrown iPod, have given way to more mellow reviews, even from PC and Windows media outlets. The iPad doesn't support Flash, and some people see that as a rebuke of Adobe by Apple. That's probably not the case. Some of Flash's functionality is affected by a mouse cursor hovering over a Flash object. The hover concept is foreign to the iPad, and until that's resolved, Flash won't really bring anything to the iPad party. Whether the iPad is a success or not, it's going to have a lot of company, soon. Several PC manufacturers are working on similar devices. They'll probably be on store shelves well before the iPad second generation. A computer pioneer died this week. Henry Edward Roberts had an interesting life. Former military man, he developed the MITS Altair 8800 computer that was featured on the cover of Popular Electronics in January of 1975. I remember that cover. I remember thinking how neat it would be to own a computer in 1975. 
and then I forgot about it. Bill Gates and Paul Allen saw the cover, too, but they did something about it. Thinking about owning a computer in the mid-1970s was revolutionary, but Roberts put together a kit computer that people could build. In truth, it had less power than today's average digital watch. There was no keyboard, just some switches. There was no display, just some lights. But this was the beginning of the personal computer era. On the PBS program Triumph of the Nerds in 1996, Roberts said, We didn't know we couldn't do it. Mitz was based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that's where Gates and Allen set up shop for a time. They created a programming language, BASIC, which stands for Beginner's All-Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code. BASIC was the language used with the Mitz Altair. After selling his company in 1977, Roberts became a farmer in rural Georgia. He eventually went back to school and became a doctor in 1986. And regardless of anybody else's opinion of Apple's iPad, Roberts wanted to see one. According to his son, Roberts was asking just last week about the device from his hospital bed. Henry Edward Roberts will be buried Monday. He was 68, and he is a pioneer who deserves to be remembered. TechBiter Worldwide has maintained a weekly schedule that it inherited from its days in radio, but I've been thinking about how I might provide more timely, if only occasional, updates. The result is TechBiter Today a website powered by WordPress, one of many blogging and content management systems that I looked at before selecting one. I am not expecting TechBiter today to have any frequent updates. So far, it's turning out to be one every few days. The new service will be available by RSS, really simple syndication, for immediate updates. So I think it'll be useful if something important comes up in the middle of the week. The RSS isn't installed yet, and it'll take a few more weeks, at least, for me to determine how TechBiter today should work but I wanted to have it in place by April 12th. Why April 12th? Well, that's when the next version of the Adobe Creative Suite will be available, and I don't want to have to wait all week just to say something about it. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.